Good morning and welcome to the NCSA Mental Health Devotion. My name is Nandi Fleming and I'll be your host for this morning's worship. Before we start, I'd like to invite you to close your eyes for a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, this past week may have been rough for some of us. Lord, some of us have been faced with numerous challenges, Lord, but our eyes and our hope and our expectations, Lord, are fixed on you. Lord, we look to you who is our Redeemer, our life, our hope. And and Lord, we look to you as children do towards their parents with expectation, knowing, Lord, that you love us and that you care for us. And that if we who are wicked know how to give good things to our children, how much more do you, our Heavenly Father, know to give good things to us? So, Lord, please fill us with your love. Lord, fill us with courage and hope for the future that lays ahead and for the current task of life at hand. And Lord, maybe be encouraged by your word, because this is truly why you have given at us so that we can have happiness and that we can have a life please bless us now lord as we open it is my prayer in your name amen i'd like to read for you for our verse this morning from the book of first kings chapter 19 verse 3 it says elijah was afraid and he fled for his life he went to beersheba a town in judah and he left his servant there Then he went on alone to the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. The title for my talk this morning is Getting Back on Course. So this past week, while I've been taking a break and preparing for season two, I've been feeling a bit discouraged and under attack by Satan. You know, just with all the pressures of life and things not always going the way that we as humans plan, I've been thinking a lot about throwing in the towel in various aspects of life, just giving up and saying like Elijah, Lord, I have literally had enough. I'm just human. You know, I can't keep pushing on. I'm not superhuman. Um, surely I can't just keeping keep up with all the pressures and the pace and the demands and the threats of life around me. Surely being a human allows me to just sit down and just give up and say like, Elijah said, I have had enough, Lord. And I remembered that, you know, as much as I was saying that I'm a human and I can't do this and it's too much, I remembered the verse in Philippians. Philippians 4 verse 13 that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I can, but I can't do it without Christ, without Christ doing it through me. And had he not already, has my whole life not testified to this point that God is able, even within ministry? I mean, the talks that we've been going through, we've reached a hundred talks. And I, I think to myself, how is that even possible? A talk a day. And I realize that it is not my strength, but it is his strength. And through all the trials of my life, has he not sustained me with his word? the bread of life. You know, we see here that Elijah ends up in the wilderness of Judah. And while discouraged, God responds by feeding Elijah twice. So we see Elijah giving up hope, saying that he's had enough. And and I was reminded in my own life that sometimes we feel the same way. Sometimes we come to a point where we just say, I don't want to anymore, Lord. I, I, I'm tired. I'm, I'm discouraged. I, I don't have hope. I don't have faith. My my my, my lack of faith is, is getting me down. And we see here how Elijah ends up in the wilderness. We ends up in the wilderness of Judah, feeling very discouraged. And we see that God feeds him. He gives him food. Twice an angel wakes him up to give him gives him food. 
And sometimes we just need to eat when we are discouraged. Now, I'm not necessarily talking specifically about actual food, but that also helps our physical bodies and our minds. But we need to eat again on the the bread of life. We need to taste and see that the Lord is still good. We need to be reminded that he has not let us go hungry in the past. We need to eat in order to help us to recall all the miracles that he has thus performed in our lives, to give us courage and strength again, you know, not to give up in trial, but to keep going, to not fear, but to cling to Christ's righteousness, to cling to his laws, and to find joy and happiness and peace in them amidst the storm. So basically, as I was reading the story of Elijah, I gained hope. And I believe and hope that as I share the story of Elijah with you, that you too will be refreshed um, from the troubles and the wearinesses of this week that you have passed through. And sometimes, you know, we find ourselves in a place of life where we just say we've had enough. And this is if this is where you are at today, I pray that this passage in the Bible will give you hope. So just to go back to the story of Elijah in the beginning. We find Elijah in the mountains of Gilead living there, a man of faith and prayer whose fearless ministry was going to bring about a massive reformation in Israel. You see, Elijah the prophet entered his mission very confidently in God's purpose and providence in preparing the way before him and that God was going to give him abundant success. He had no doubt. He had no worries. He had no fears. He had the faith and the power of the Lord, not only in his actions, but in his lips and in the way that he spoke. His whole entire life was devoted to the work of God and reform. And although messages of rebuke was what he was bringing towards the king, um, King Ahab and Israel as a whole, his messages also was hope for the sin-sick soul. And, And it was messages that would bring healing to them so that they too could be reconciled with their God. Because you see, Israel was in a state of apostasy. They had been worshiping idols. Um, even the king had built Ashereth poles and he had built, um, temples to to Baal because of his wife Jezebel who was a non-believer and we see that in the history of Israel and the history of King Ahab that unbelief was separating God's chosen nation from their source of strength Israel was fast removing them from the grace and the mercy of God's hand and Elijah is called to bring them back to God and 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 seeing all of this Elijah was filled with sorrow and because of his his jealous honor for God's call He does not hesitate when God calls him. He obeys immediately when God calls him and says to him, Elijah, I have a work for you to do. A work that's going to be difficult. A work where your life might be in danger, where there's going to be perilous moments. But but it's a work nonetheless that is worthy, that is is good, and and that God will reward you for. And he doesn't hesitate. He's not scared. He doesn't mm and ah or ask questions. Immediately he goes and does what the Lord has asked him to do. And you can go read the whole account in the book of First Kings, um, chapter 18 and chapter 19, when you have some time. And I believe that this story is very vital for us, especially for those who are living in the days that we are living today. You know, at the, the time where we believe that the world is slowly coming to an end and things of violence and, and apostasy and leaving God's hand is increasing. And we see here in this story, the mighty prophet Elijah, great and mighty in the power of God, mighty because of his faith and his trust in God, despite all the trials that he had to go through. And in God's power, he goes forth and faithfully calls the apostate in Israel and King Ahab and Jezebel to repentance. Um, You see, Israel had been guilty of serving other gods and idolatry. But Elijah's faith is so strong and we see him obey God's every single instruction in his 
life, no matter how crazy it may seem, because he trusts God, because his faith is in God, in God that will do good unto him, a God that keeps his promises and that saves those that love him. First Kings 18 verse 2, we see the first command coming to, to Elijah from God, where he says, go to the east and hide by the Kirith brook. This is after Elijah had declared that there was going to be a drought over the land until he would say that the drought would be finished and it didn't rain for a very long time and because of this God sends him away to go and hide so that he would be preserved so that he would not be killed because of this prophecy that he brought to King Ahab so the first command is go to east to the east and hide by the brook Kerith and there he says crows will feed you this is the first you know kind of almost ridiculous command in the minds of humans go and hide in the wilderness by a little stream and crows are going to bring you food but we see Elijah faithfully obeys he trusts God he has faith in God and he knows that God is going to come through for him and God does come through for him and after the brook dries up we see the second command where the Lord then says to him go and live in the village of Zarephath and go there to a widow's house that has no food or water or anything you know and I will feed you there I will sustain you and I will sustain her and it, once again it seems like a crazy command go and live with somebody that has nothing already you know somebody who's going to make their last meal and then die but in faith and in hope and in trust in God's goodness and promises and mercy to save he goes and he obeys and he goes to this widow and he lives with her for a long time and the Bible says the food and the oil did not run dry and then eventually the Lord comes to him again in verse 18 and he says to him now go and present yourself to King Ahab after the drought had been you know ravaging the the, the country for basically three and a half years he sends him and he says to him go now to King Ahab I have a message that I want you to deliver to him and he says and he calls King Ahab and he tells King Ahab that they're going to do a test and 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 the 400 Baal prophets are challenged and he says go and challenge these prophets go and challenge this apostasy go and challenge them and when they do not obey then your command is that you will kill them and and you know despite this very treacherous message that God gives him despite the fact that he's walking into enemy territory he obeys and he goes and he faces King Ahab he summons King Ahab and the 400 Baal prophets and all of Israel to Mount Carmel where he sets forth the test that God had given him to do it is God versus Baal who will consume the sacrifice on the altar which they had put up and you see the interesting thing is is that we know what happened here for for the whole day you know the, the prophets of Baal were dancing and cutting themselves and doing all kinds of weird things in order to entice Baal to consume the sacrifice but nothing happened and Elijah even teased them and said to them maybe he's asleep maybe you should shout a little bit louder but then we see the confidence in Elijah and this is where I want to lay the focus you know this absolute trust and faith in God's goodness and in God's answering his prayers and coming through for him in the way that God will his confidence is so strong in the Lord that when he, it, the time comes for him to do the sacrifice when he has built the altar when he has put the the, 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 the wood on the altar and he's cut the, the cow into pieces and put it on the altar he goes forth and he digs a trench around the altar and he takes three big cans of water and he pours it out upon the, the sacrifice three times and then he calls fire from heaven he had so much faith in God that he said even if I were to make it almost impossible for him to do this God would still come through and prove his power and his might and God did the Bible says that the fire came from heaven and it destroyed everything the stone the dust the water everything was licked from the ground 
And then we see after this mighty display of God's power and, and the, the faith and trust that Elijah had in God, he then goes ahead and he kills all 400 Baal prophets. Um, and then he calls the king and the people to repent and to worship the true God as they had now seen his power that day and to abandon the false God Baal. And then he confidently tells Ahab, now that you've seen God pow- God's power and I've called you to repentance, God will send rain. And he tells Ahab, go and eat now and prepare because there's a mighty rainstorm coming. And then it says he goes up a little bit further onto the mountain with his servant and he prays to the Lord to send the rain. You see, he was the one that prayed that God would send the drought in order to, 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 to bring about a reformation amongst Israel, to sort of teach them about the power of God. And now three and a half years later, he prays to the Lord and he says to the Lord, bring back the rain. And he sends his servant each time to go and look onto the hill to see, do you see anything? Do you see the sign of a cloud that God is answering my prayer? And seven times he sends his servant and seven times the servant comes back and says, he doesn't see anything. But the seventh time, then the servant comes back and he says, he's seeing a small cloud in the distance about the size of a man's hand. And you see, he didn't stop asking the Lord. He didn't stop praying. He didn't lose hope, even though every time it came back and there was no evidence that God was going to answer his prayer. In confidence, he told Ahab, it's going to rain. And then when the smallest, tiniest little evidence of God's providence comes, Elijah goes ahead in faith and he goes to King Ahab and he says, get in your chariot now and go back to Jezreel because otherwise the rainstorm is going to, going to stop you. It's going to trap you. And then the Lord comes to, to, to Elijah and he says to him, not only should you send the king back, but you yourself must go back to Jezreel. Go ahead of the king. And it says that the Lord gave him special strength and he tucked in his cloak into his belt and he ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way in the rainstorm up until the entrance of Jezreel. And this is such a powerful thing that we see here happening in the life of Elijah. Every time the Lord says go, he goes, he obeys, he doesn't doubt, he he doesn't question. He's not scared. Um, and then we are told that Ahab goes and he tells Jezebel, his wife, what had happened. You know, that the 400 balls were slay, ball prophets were slain. And you know that the Lord consumed the altar while Baal did nothing. But it's Jezebel hardens her heart. And we see in 1 Kings 19 verse 2 that she becomes angry. And she sends a message to Elijah where she says, May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed those 400 ball prophets and we see a very interesting response here by Elijah the mighty man of God who up to this point had never hesitated had always done what God had told him to do had only moved when God had said he should move always having faith despite the difficulties and the trials that God had allowed him to go through and all of a sudden in first Kings 19 verse 3 we see that Elijah was afraid and he fled for his life and it says he went to Beersheba a town in Judah and he runs away This was not part of God's instructions for him. God did not tell him to go and hide like he told him the first time to go hide by the brook Kerith. He disobeys. He goes in his own thoughts and by his own, you know, sort of conclusions, trying to save his own life. He has a lack of faith in God all of a sudden. All of a sudden he feels hopeless and scared, unsure of God's providence and protection and purpose. And, And this is so strange because the logic is you just slayed 400 men. 
You just came out of a massive famine where God sustained you by feeding you day and night with ravens, with widows. He never let you down. Um, he gave you superhuman strength, just like yesterday, to run in front of horses. And now you're afraid of one woman's threat? It seems to make no sense, but this is often what happens in our lives. When, when sometimes we are very strong in the Lord and the Lord's word sustains us, but then Satan comes knocking on our doors and he tries to discourage us with small things, things that he possibly thinks could you know discourage us and here we see that that elijah responds in fear all of a sudden everything that happened in the past is forgotten and he gets up and he runs away but you see even in this lack of faith and lack of disobedience and feeling hopeless and scared and unsure all of a sudden not trusting god um god's mercy is still seen in regarding in in regard to elijah's life while he finds himself in this deep dark valley in this dip where he's despondent where he's lost hope where he feels abandoned and his faith is so low where we see he's sitting under the broom tree praying to god that god might kill him that he might just die where he says lord i have had enough Take my life from me because I'm no better than my ancestors. Let me rather die. Exhausted, tired, depressed, he falls asleep. Finally, he falls asleep and he passes out. And the Bible tells us that God's response to, to this dip of Elijah is that God comes in the form of an angel. He sends an angel to Elijah and he tells him to feed him. It says the angel told him to get up, get up and eat. First Kings 19 verse 5. The last command that came from the Lord towards Elijah was to go to Jezreel. But now he's not in Jezreel. Now he's sitting somewhere in the wilderness of Judah hiding for his life. Completely not what the Lord had intended. But now the Lord comes with a request again and he says, get up and eat through the angel. First Kings 19 verse 7, it says that not only this first time in verse 5 does the angel tell him to get up and eat, but it says after he had eaten, he fell asleep again, tired and despondent. And in verse 7, again, the angel comes and says, get up and eat some more or the journey ahead of you will be too much. And oftentimes the journeys that we find ourselves in are self-imposed. Kind of like how, how Elijah finds himself here in this wilderness. God did not intend for him to go to the wilderness. But because of his fear and his lack of faith in the Lord, he ends up in a mess. He ends up in this wilderness of doubt and fear and, and, and despondency. And, and, and the angel realizes and God realizes that although this was he got there by his own making, that God realizes that, that God still needs to sustain him. Because if God doesn't sustain him, then he will not make it. And the angel angel says to him, the journey ahead of you will be too much for you. What journey? Has God told him to go anywhere? No, you see, God knows that he's still going to do a bit of running. In verse 8, we, we see that Elijah gets up and food was given in, in, for him enough to strengthen him to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. It says in verse 9 that there he came to a cave where he spent the night. And when you read this verse originally in the Bible, you, you think to yourself, hey, he goes to Mount Sinai, you know, there where God gave the law where he gave the ten commandments it's the mountain of god god must have led him there but nowhere in the bible do we see that god told him to go to mount sinai i think elijah was still running elijah was still you know fearing and still going to go hide and maybe he thought that if i go to mount sinai it's the mountain of god maybe i will find refuge there and this is often what we do we, we go to something which we think will be good but it's not what god intended for us and we need to do you know sort of introspection to see is this what 
what God wants or is this what I think will be good for my life? And here we see in this cave as he is sleeping that the voice of the Lord comes to Elijah. And the Lord says to him in verse 9, he says to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Which tells me that God did not intend to him to go to Mount Sinai or to the wilderness of Judah. He says, what are you doing here, Elijah? And again in verse 13, a little bit later, the voice comes again and says, what are you doing here, Elijah? You see, the interesting thing is, is that God is trying to show Elijah that you have been so, you know, you're so faithful to me. You have, you have kept the faith for so long, you know, but now what are you doing? Why are you allowing, you know, certain fears and lack of faith to, to, to push you to a place where you don't belong, feeling despondent and depressed? Have you forgotten? Have you forgotten how I have been with you in the past? And I believe that while he was running away there in the, in the, in the presence of the wilderness of Judah when the angel came to him and gave him the food I believe that the reason that God did this is because he wanted to remind Elijah of the power of God he wanted to remind Elijah of of just how powerful he had acted in the past and that he shouldn't lose hope and that he shouldn't now despair and run away but that he should continue on his path that he should get back onto course in doing that which the Lord had asked him to do Um, he's saying to Elijah, Elijah, you're not going to make it there in the wilderness. Take this food that I'm giving you uh, that will strengthen you for your mission and your hour ahead. And it says that he was given baked bread. And and the interesting thing is, is I wondered to myself, does he not in this wilderness where he's like, oh no, I have no help. I'm so lost. Does he not recognize this miracle? Here an angel appears to him twice, the messenger of God. And not only does he appear to him, but the angel, the messenger brings him freshly baked warm bread. Here, Elijah, eat, be strengthened. God is with you. God is going to give you strength that although you are here by your own doing, although this is not because of God sending you somewhere, I'm still not going to leave you. I'm still not going to abandon you. Here's something to strengthen you even in your rebellion even in your running away and I believe that the reason that God gave him food and also gave him this miracle of the angel appearing to him and feeding him is sort of a symbol a symbol of how sometimes we need to be reminded of God's power on our behalf Um, we need to be reminded what God has done for us in the past how he has strengthened us in the past I mean I wonder if maybe this was not God's way of telling Elijah have you forgotten the ravens at the brook have you forgotten Forgotten the miracle of the flour and the oil? Have you forgotten the power of God that consumed the altar and strengthened you to kill 400 Baal prophets and these evil people who were against the ways of God and against you? Superhuman strength was given to you to run in front of horses all the way without stopping towards Jezreel. Um, have you forgotten this? And sometimes Satan does this to us. Sometimes Satan manages to get inside our heads and make us feel discouraged. Um, sometimes he points us out our unworthiness. Um, tells us that our task ahead is too big, big for us and that we're too weak. And this is true. We cannot do it without God. And sometimes we're left frozen like Elijah, fearful, wanting to die. Um, but then the Lord of Heaven's army sends an angel to refresh us, just like he did Elijah. And perhaps God today is speaking to your heart as he do- has done to mine this week. Perhaps God is saying to you today, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Trapped in hopelessness, in fear, tired, exhausted, with no faith or strength or courage to continue. What brought you here to this point in your life? Is it perhaps your own doing? 
Um, is it perhaps because you started listening to the own, your own voice in your head, Satan's voice in your head, trying to scare you, trying to run away? Is it because you have forgotten the goodness of God and how he has led you in the past, wishing now to die that it's just you say you've had enough? Um, what brought you to this point where you lost faith and hope in the power of God in saving your life, saying that you had enough? What happened to the zeal, to your obedient faith, to your hope and your trust in God's unfailing love and power? Have you forgotten what he has done for you in the past. Um, First Kings 19 verse 6, we find again, like we said, Elijah falling asleep, exhausted in fear and uncertainty, finally passing out and God sends the angel to refresh him, to strengthen him, both physically with the food that he gave him, but also spiritually, giving him another miracle, you know, on his behalf. The angel brings him these baked breads twice to show him, I have not left you, Elijah. Hope in me, have faith in me, trust in my promises. I have not abandoned you. Um, And this miracle, I believe, was a reminder to him of all the previous miracles you see he prayed that it wouldn't rain and for three and a half years the Lord listened to him and did not let it rain and the Lord is saying to him through this miracle he's saying to him eat and be reminded that I've not abandoned you the food that he ate I believe was there to sustain him spiritually um, to show him how God had sustained him in the past and that God will never hold back any blessings from him today if you are feeling like Elijah perhaps it's perhaps it's time that you and me also eat of the meal of God that he has prepared for us. A meal that he calls us to eat as often as we can in remembrance of him. Remembering how he has sustained us and strengthened us thus far in our lives and in hardship. In 1 Corinthians 11 verse 25, um, the Bible tells us that we need to partake of a meal that the Lord brings to us. And the Lord often brings us to it to us just like Elijah when we're in a point of life where we are most hopeless. Where the Lord says, have you forgotten to eat? Have you forgotten to strengthen yourself by the communion meal? A meal that will that will remind you of what the Lord has done in the past. A meal where you have to look back and remember him. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 25 tells us how this communion meal should be eaten. It says, in the same way, after the supper, after he gave him the bread, he took the cup saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this. In other words, partake of the communion whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. The Lord is saying we too need to be strengthened when we have lost hope, when we have when we have a lack of faith, when we have lost that courage that we once had. The Lord says, come and eat the communion meal with me. Remember me. Remember what I have done for you. The communion to me is a place where we can be strengthened for the journey ahead and where we can find hope in our God, in the path that he is 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 laying out ahead of us by looking back and remembering what he has done for us in the past, looking at Jesus and remembering all that he has done, especially in dying for us and offering us forgiveness. It's a place where we find hope and forgiveness because of his shed blood, where our purposes are restored, where happiness and joy is replaced, you know, replaced and where despondency and sadness and doubt and a lack of faith disappears, where uncertainty fades and a living faith takes a hold of the sinner, where once again we renew our covenant with the Lord, our relationship with the Lord. And my invitation to you is this, is God asking you today, what are you doing here? May you sit down with him 
You know, even if you're in the wilderness and see the communion meal that he has prepared for you, that he's inviting you to eat, to be refreshed, to be strengthened for the journey that lay ahead. It's not just a journey in terms of maybe you'll still continue on the path of wrong, but it's a journey of where the Lord will once again give you instruction to get back onto course. We see in 1 Kings 19 verse 15 to 16 that after the Lord had strengthened him, after the Lord says to Elijah, what are you doing here in this cave? He gives him the command. He says, go back. Reset the course of your mission. After I've strengthened with you with food, after I've allowed you to run away for a period of time, I now say it's enough. I want you to come back. Come back. And the Lord says to him here, go back the same way that you came. And this is often how we return to the Lord. You know, where we first saw the light, that's where we need to return. He says, travel to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive there, arrive there, anoint Azaziel, the king of Aram, and appoint Yehu, son of Nimsi, as the king of Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat um, to be a prophet in your place. Complete your mission in faithful obedience without fear. Um, the Lord will not abandon you. So we see here that the Lord refreshes him and calls him back. And I believe that the Lord calls us back through the communion meal to say, get back onto course. Even if you've strayed from the path, get back onto course. Here is this communion meal for you. And tomorrow what I'm going to do is I'm going to send out one short little talk just to tell you how you're going to prepare physically for the communion meal, what you need to get, how you need to prepare the communion meal so that next week we can sit and we can sup with the Lord and we can say to the Lord, Lord, strengthen us now. Maybe we've run away. Maybe we've lost our faith. Maybe we've been become discouraged because of our own doings and longings and goings. But Lord, we need you. We see how you've led us in the path. We remember the sacrifice that you've made on our behalf. Please help us now to continue this path until the end, to finally, you know, complete this journey so that we, just like Elijah, when his task came to an end, the Bible tells us that the Lord in a fiery wind and chariots that passed by took him up in a whirlwind to heaven. And we believe that Elijah is in heaven right now, a sign and a symbol of us who are left behind at the moment. Until Jesus comes on the clouds of heaven, we have a task to complete. We have a life to live in the fear of the Lord with hope that we will continue this path that the Lord has set aside for us and that we will listen to his voice, that we will obey his commands and that we too, like Elijah, will be will be taken up into heaven when Jesus comes at the second coming. This is my prayer for you. May God bless you. The Pastoral Counseling Department of the NCSA invites you to join our daily mental health devotions. You can subscribe by WhatsApping the word yes to plus 27836584296. Broadcasts will be sent out directly to your phone each morning at 8 a.m. Topics are centered on biblical and psychological guidance to achieve good mental health and a balanced lifestyle despite the trials and crises of life. If you are interested in receiving these daily WhatsApp audio devotions straight to your phone, then WhatsApp the word YES to plus 27836584296. And now, may your darkness turn to light as the Son of Righteousness rises with healing in His wings.